This is Allison Hicks, and I have never listened to this podcast. My dad is making me do an intro for these two guys. What are board game mechanics? Just use tape if the board is broken or the cards are ripped. Don't pay people to tell you how to do that. I'm 13, and I just told you how to fix your board game for free. If you want to waste your time, you can listen to the board game mechanics. Here are the hosts, Joel and Jason. Hey, howdy, howdy. Welcome to the show. Uh, You're listening to the Board Game Mechanics. We've got a really cool episode for you today. I am Joel. Uh, Yeah, I'm back. And it may not sound like me because I have a a band of pirates made out of crystal living in my throat. (laughs) But I, uh, I, I assure you it's me. And with me is... Hey guys, what's going on? It is Jason. And guess what? I don't like party games. Just I want to put that to bed right now. Oh, Jason... What's wrong with a party game? I mean, there's nothing wrong with it the first time. Yeah. The first five minutes. I actually <laughs> have kind of a Cards Against Humanity review coming up. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to be. I haven't actually put the game yet, but it's uh, it's the church version of Cards Against Humanity. So that's that's pretty interesting. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it seems like it would totally be your speed, Jason. I'm dying. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds amazing. <laughs> hey, by the way, I can't let this slip uh, past us here. You and Katie did an excellent job last week. And actually, the number of like real snarky comments about how like I'm a bad person who shouldn't be on a podcast was pretty limited. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think she felt bad since we did open up and say that you died. So, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, Yeah, well, I mean, like, it's, it's expected. I mean... I don't know. We have a frenemy thing going on, your wife and I, so I don't know. Uh, I think it's getting better, maybe. I, I really do like your wife. She's cool. Um, and she did a nice job filling in, though. I really appreciate it. Um, we may have to have her on as a third wheel sometime or, or do a wives show. I don't know if my wife would ever be on this show or not. She probably would, actually. She'd be really funny because she'd be like, you're stupid, and you guys would love it. So <laughs> That's true. <laughs> You'd eat that crap up. <laughs> they, everybody would love it so much. She'd be like, what is wrong with you? Are you drunk? What is wrong with you? <laughs> that would be funny. So um, anyway, uh, we have a really cool show, though. We've got a special guest interview, uh, two interviews in a week. That's right. We had a bonus episode. Um, and then we're going to have today's interview with Steve Bonacore from Stronghold Games. This has been in works for quite a while. And man, it does not disappoint. So just stick around for that. Um, don't fast forward. We've got other cool things to say. So just wait, okay? You're going to be stuck in traffic anyway. So just just listen, all right? And and obviously Jason's obviously I think is what I was trying to say there. Uh, Jason's got some news for us. I might add a little bit, and we'll talk about what we played. Okay, so the first thing I wanted to talk about for the news is I think a game that a lot of people are going to be excited about, and I think some people are not going to be excited because they've made crazy trades. Oh, I love this so for much. This out of print game. <laughs> And this is Catan Starfarers is coming back. It's not Starfarers of Catan, but Catan colon Starfarers, or Catan, however you want to say it. I didn't re- see a bunch of details, but it was posted on Gamer Nerds or Game Nerds, which is a, a pre-sale website. Yeah, and it was for order pre-order for around seventy bucks. I think it was like seventy-two or seventy-three or something like that. So if you're into Starfarers of Catan and you never had a chance to get it, now's your chance. 
Um, that's that's awesome because I definitely am one of those people who had like the upgraded better rings on the ships and um, all the all the best stuff on mine, and I traded mine away for like probably I don't know two hundred bucks worth of stuff, and I got mine indirectly through a garage sale for twenty bucks. So one of my big victories in life. Um, and definitely board gaming was getting, getting a chance to trade this away for like a ton of like profit. Um, it feels grimy to say that, but man, that was a good moment for me. And I'm sure the guy who got it was happy to have it. And he probably still have a little bit of bragging rights about, Hey, uh, cool. I've got the original edition. So whatever. I'm happy for him. I don't, I like this game. I've played it enough to say that it's not for me entirely. Um, I don't know. Like it's better than regular Catan, but like, it's not at the same time. I think regular Catan, has got like enough just basic play to it that you can just play it with introductory players and it's no big deal. They pick it up pretty quick. It's just a trading game. When you add the whole Starfarer stuff to it, it makes it a little more of something um, to the point where it's not introductory players playing it. And if I'm playing with not introductory players, I don't want to play a version of Catan. So that's why I'm going to pass on this one. Um, but it's cool news. Yeah. Uh, I would like to play this just once because everybody talks about it. So, Maybe now somebody will have it and I can play it. Yeah, and you can go, oh, I get it. I played it once and don't need to own it. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so moving from like cool news to eh news. Super cool news. Shut your face. <laughs> it is a game called Millennial Manatees. <laughs> and it's, uh, it is what it is. Yeah, it's uh, about manatees and the game comes in a fanny pack. Um, it's a worker placement game where players are trying to pay back $20 of student loans before the other players and it all, everybody's a little manatee. I don't know why you're manatee. I don't really care. It looks cute. So they're like manatees from the eighties too. They have like eighties Technicolor artwork at school. So if you like worker placement games that can fit in a fanny pack and you've always wanted to carry a game in a fanny pack, go check this one out. It's $27 and there's 17 days left to go. I think it looks really cool. It's pretty funny that they're trying to pay back $20 in student loans, but they don't have $20. It's just funny to me. And it fits in a fanny pack, which is just really funny to me, too. Yeah. So The money tracker in the game is actually a little cardboard fanny pack, too, which is kind of funny. And, and uh, the fact that the game costs more than you're trying to raise is pretty funny, too. <laughs> that is really funny. Yep. <laughs> Hey, I've got one thing I want to mention real quick. Uh, our interview on Monday, Legends of Novus, um, it was uh, a cool little surprise for you guys, I hope. Um, but I think you guys will be able to find that one on on Kickstarter uh, as of the time of this recording being released. Um, if it seemed like something you'd be into, uh, check it out. If you didn't listen to the episode, no problem. I get it. Sometimes just doing an interview episode isn't your thing. But uh, Wes from, from the game creation and development came on the show. We talked about it. I think it's a really cool way to get board game players to play RPGs. Um, it's kind of like a tabletop RPG hybrid, and I, I've homebrewed it quite a bit, and he loved that. He loved that we homebrewed it. He loved that we put a DM in there and tried to make it like an introductory uh, D&D thing happening. So um, I think that uh, you should check it out and just at least give it a look. It's a really pretty game. They did a lot of hard work on it. It's definitely a labor of love from Wes Woodbury uh, and uh, fundamental games. So um just giving them a quick plug because they've just been awesome to work with. And I think he's got something there. So that's it. Yeah, he seems like a super nice guy. I listened to the interview and he does seem like he's super nice and he seems like he really cares about this game. Oh, absolutely. Um, he's Canadian, man. Like he's he's just your stereotypical, like nice Canadian guy. So and that's such a good stereotype. Like don't don't shy from that stereotype, Canadians. Like I think you should lean into that one. So anyway. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
Fundamental Games, Legends of Novus. Cool. All right, so now that the part I really enjoy, and that is games I got to play. So I actually played a bunch of games this weekend. Uh, I played some games with my daughters, so I'm not going to talk about those, but a few hobby games. But the first game I wanted to play is from Keymaster, and it's called Campy Creatures. Mm. Yeah, this is a, a simultaneous action selection game where everybody's picking a card, you put it face down, and everybody reveals at the same time. And the cards have numbers from 0 to 8. You're trying to use these cards to recruit kill capture these mortals that are in the deck and the highest number fires off first but the trick here is some of the lower numbers have powers that can negate the higher number and they may cause them to fire earlier so you're kind of playing cards to try to maybe outthink your opponents and you're trying to be the person to score the most points each mortal has is worth some points they might be worth negative could be worth a set collection bonus so it's just a quick little filler game plays in probably about i don't know 30 minutes i played five players it didn't take any more than 30 minutes but it's super fun the artwork is amazing in normal key master fashion so if you like quick little fillers to have some interesting gameplay go check this out that's campy creatures i man they those guys have been on fire over at key master games like they're just putting out solid game after solid game it seems like um and yeah, I, I, if you like it, I love it, I guess. Um, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to actually getting a chance to play this one at some point. I think it looks pretty great. Um, reviews on YouTube for that. If you wanted to check that out. Um, one of them by Jason Smith himself. Yeah, it will be posted by the time this episode drops. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Uh, because I just put that pressure on Jason. <laughs> And I was already working on it before we started recording. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, 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 yeah, I, I could just feel it that that was coming. Um, well, Jason, I'm going to go ahead and mention one of the games I played because it's the only one I played this week and more on that later. Uh, but Flam Rouge, uh, Red Flag, as it's called here in the United States. That'd be funny if they really did translate it to Red Flag because that's what it means. That would be cool, um, actually. I, that'd be a sweet name. <laughs> Red Flag. Um, it's actually, you would hate it because you don't like Downforce. Um, and you don't like Homestretch, but there's like a succession of games in my life that have like a special spot in my heart, starting with Homestretch, probably the best game ever created before Downforce was created, um, the reprint. So games were accomplished and finished, and there was no need for any more games because Homestretch is pretty much a perfect game. What else do you need other than poorly cast plastic horses <laughs> and random die rolls that you're betting on? Uh <laughs> It's a dumb game. I'm not going to say it's a great game, but man, I love that stupid game because it's just like anybody can win. That's what makes it so fun. Like you can just, you can try your best to bet on the right things, but the most skilled player never wins that game. And so that's why people like me love that game because it's a chance for us, us losers who never win to get a chance to be in the winner's circle just on dumb luck. So, uh, and then Downforce came out later, you know, but Downforce has got that thing where I, I think you don't like this either. People can block you and just be real jerks in it. And then, like, the cards, you only have control over so many cards, and only so many of them have your movement on them. So, like, you're only so in charge of your own fate in that game, and that's really frustrating to some people. Um, it's really awesome to some people. Some people really like that about it. But it definitely improved on that, just random die chucks to see who goes around a track faster, that you're actually playing with cards that are all balanced, and there's a certain number of movement for each color, and how you play your cards and how you block and position really is important. Well, this one, I think, actually goes a little beyond that because it uses the ideas of, like, drafting 
and the ideas of being in a pack and trying to work together. You have two racers. You have a sprinter and a ruler, um, and you're trying to get them to work together to go on this track as quickly as you can. And um, it's just really fun. It's a similar card mechanic to Downforce, except for you have your own full deck of cards, and you draw four, play one, then recycle the rest of them in. And pretty well every card in that deck is going to get used throughout. So you're trying to figure out, do I want to go nine spaces? Do I want to go three spaces? And how do I do these two guys in conjunction with each other? And then the other tricky thing is if you're ever in lead of a pack and there's more than one space between you and the next pack, then you you get an exhaustion card. So it's like that idea of like getting a curse in Dominion or something where you put it into your into your deck. And so that makes it have a whole new component that it's like you don't want to really necessarily be in the lead till the end. And then did you save enough at, at uh, uh, did you save enough good cards at the end to try and sprint a, across the finish line? And then sometimes even then some people will multiple people will sprint across the finish line in the same round. Whoever gets the furthest across the finish line is the winner. So um, it's just a really neat game. It's got the most strategy of any of those racing games that I mentioned by far. Um, you're really trying to think hard about how do I want to not get those exhaustion cards, make these guys work together, make them draft and be their own pack, and trying to also think about what your other players around the table are going to do. Like, is, is Jason going to go fast? Do I want to try and hang with him and keep going? Or is Jason going to be conservative and try and, you know, that's the other thing. If you if you go real slow and someone else goes fast, you're stuck out in front and you're going to get real exhausted. So um, just kind of a cool game, a lot of strategy in it for just being a race game like that. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I'm fairly positive you'd play it once, not complain about it, and then never play it again is what I would say your, is, is where your love for it would be. But I really liked it. I, I think this is going to be my go-to racing game probably. Yeah, it didn't look like it was up my alley when I watched a couple of reviews on it. It seemed okay, but it just seemed a little bland for me. But yeah, I'd play it once, see what it's you, like. You aren't a racing games guy, though. I mean, like you just don't like those racing games, it doesn't seem. No, I'm not, not a huge fan. Have you played Formula D? I have. I didn't like it. Yeah, I didn't figure you did because it's die rolls. You know, I mean, like at the end of the day, it's die rolls. Maybe you're rolling a slightly different die based on your Gary and stuff. But yeah, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. The little gear shift thing was cool, like shifting up and shifting down and all that. But outside of that, there wasn't yeah. any game there. I, I think Flame Ridge is the best racing game. And I've played the four that I've mentioned. Uh, I haven't played Thunder Road or Thunder Alley is whatever it's called. The Is it a GMT game or I don't remember. Oh, yeah. That one yeah, the out. GMT. Yeah. But I think that one's supposed to be really good, too. Um, but anyway, Flynn Bruges did get a chance to play that. Really enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah. That's cool. All right. So I got to play a game that I played last year at Origins as a demo. I actually got to play the full production copy of it last weekend. And it is called Museum. It's from Holy Grail Games. has a ton of different cards and art by Vincent Dutre. And this game is still fantastic. So what you're doing in this game is you are trying to collect different artifacts, um, jewels, stuff from different continents. You're trying to put these on display in your museum by either civilization, which is basically card color, or domain, which is a little icon on the card. I don't know the thematic tie to those, but that's what they are. So you're trying to collect these cards. You may be able to buy some of the cards that your opponent has discarded to put into your museum. Uh, You may get hit with these embargoes that are going to close down certain continents and you can't grab cards from them. And that continent might be the cards that you need. And then the first player that gets to 50 points is going to trigger the end. You're going to rearrange your museum, put it in order so you can get the most points. Because the more cards you have of a domain or a civilization, the more points you get. And whoever has the most points is the winner. That's that's it. And it seems it's, it's pretty easy. It's pretty straightforward. But the gameplay is super fun. So if you get a chance, check out Museum. It will not disappoint. 
Super fun game. My my wife said, uh, buy an 11th game this year. It's our anniversary present for each other. Uh, and so uh, this one's tempting me. I'm only at six games this year I've bought. So I have five to go. And I'm approaching that like I could buy a game a month kind of spot. You know what I mean? Like, right. Uh, especially with that 11. So I, I don't know. And the other thing, too, is I looked at the Gen Con preview. And I'm like, none of these things seem compelling. And then obviously awesome stuff's going to come out at Spiel. But like we won't get a chance to buy it until next year. So uh, I don't know, man. This might be might be one that I jump at. So I, I, I've not heard anything but great things about it. It looks really good. Um, and I just don't know how the retail availability is just yet. But this is one that I, I'm super intrigued by, too. There were some in my local game store. Like There were a couple copies. So I think it's around. And I know it's on Amazon because that's where my buddy got it. So if you're into it, you can find it at least on Amazon. This is crazy because this is like the most one of the most anticipated games of Origins last year that they were going to do demos for it. And then like it came out, it fulfilled like the Kickstarter or whatever, and it was like no fanfare. Like at least I haven't seen much transfer about it. And that's like me not keeping my pulse real so- solidly on like the world of, of board gaming right now just cuz of busy crap, but like I don't know. I I've have you seen much about this out there? No, a couple people have posted it, but yeah, like the reviews kind of just dried up and went away. Nobody's really done any written reviews or anything it's just there yeah i don't i don't know it's a super good game yeah i i think i'm gonna check it out for sure jason um jason i played see if you can put on as much weight as you lost the two months before you went on a cruise um <laughs> that's, a, I brought that's, a games, good, that's a good game i brought games to play on the cruise ship but that just doesn't happen i mean like it just doesn't happen um because there's not good surfaces on a cruise ship to play on i mean like you just can't find a good table to play on. And I don't know. I know some, some ships have like a board game galley and it has like a copy of, you know, like Chinese checkers and like chess or something, but this one didn't even have that. So I had a good time on the cruise. That's why I wasn't on the show last week. Um, I was able to go on a cruise because my in-laws are seriously awesome people. Um, and I'm standing on the shoulders of giants before them, even the hard work of like my wife's grandparents and, and then her, her parents allowed us the opportunity for us to like be able to go on a big cruise as a family. It was a lot of fun, um, but that really did cut into my gaming time and my ability to, to really do much with the hobby. But you know what? I don't mind. It was really a good time. I got a chance to see Bermuda, which is really cool. Um, but the good news is board game season is starting right now. I have two board gaming days set up this week uh, with like school people who don't have to work during the week. And then the weekend comes after that and we go from there. So, um, I'm hoping we have a BGM con too before too long, man. So, um, I, man, I don't, Jason, I don't care about the 4th of July that much, really. Maybe we should get together on the 4th of July and play some games. Maybe. We could, yeah, I might have to run that could, by the boss. We could burn some board games and call it fireworks. <laughs> I have a couple I'll bring for that. Yeah. I think, <laughs> oh boy. And no, I'm not going to say anything mean about like some of the prototypes we get sent. Um, <laughs> I could throw a couple in there too. Uh, I'm going to burn a picture no. of Gen Con. Oh, burn. <laughs> burn. Yeah, right. uh, I'm going to burn it. Yeah. In in the state of Indiana, come over to Indiana to burn it. Man, <laughs> Indiana is becoming like the board game center of like the Midwest. There's a there's a printing place in in like a a town that's like about 2 hours from me on the west side of the state that is like Asmodee built this place to print their cards up so they don't have to get them done overseas, which is really smart now with the tariffs. Yeah, that's awesome. And and then Indianapolis is the new headquarters for Stronghold Games, uh, which you'll hear in the interview, uh, and then Gen Con. So, I mean, like, it's just crazy. Um, 
And and Tom Vassell's moving into my house with me, and we're gonna have a real cool like <laughs> odd couple sitcom. He and I sleep in twin beds in the same bedroom, and uh, uh, it's like that. People let me tell you about my best friend kind of thing at the beginning theme. And the website for that is aboveboard.tv. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you go there, you get a young... <laughs> That's another pretty inside joke there too. Uh, but at any rate, I still haven't been contacted about. <laughs> Hey, we'd like to own this website. Uh, <laughs> Give it a minute. Yeah, maybe. Uh, we'll see. Um, I yeah, I I do have that certified letter I haven't picked up yet. I don't know what that's about, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, seriously, just all I want is a plug, a 12, 12 episode guarantee of my odd people or odd roommates sitcom I just pitched, and. And uh, $1, and I'll sell them the website. So that's it. Just got to have Tom do 12 episodes of <laughs> the Fairly Odd the fairly odd Roommates. Uh, the Fairly Odd Meeples. How about that? Oh, that's great. How How is Will Wheaton not knocking on my door right now <laughs> saying, this is my new tabletop project? Will Wheaton can be our like sassy neighbor who's like, you guys. <laughs> Go home, Wesley. And and Sam special appearance this week by Sam. Well, we all play TI four. Like that's the whole episode. It's like two moves of TI four. That's like six episodes. Uh, <laughs> you're not kidding. Oh man, the pirates on my neck are trying to s- swing their swords at each other. I'm gonna cough here soon. Uh, anyway, well, cool. Uh, board game season starting, and that's good news for all of us uh, who care about board games. All right, that's enough of that. Let's get to the interview, Jason. All right. All right, I've got a very special guest here to the show today. Today with me, I've got Mr. Bonacore from Stronghold Games. Welcome to the show. Hey, man, thank you so much for having me on. This is great. And you're doing it like in the morning. Most people, I, I have to stay up late to, uh, you know, to be on their show. You're, we're doing this like first thing in the morning. I love it. Well, yeah, I, you're important. I've got to clear my schedule for you. Yeah, nah. No. I've got that liberty of being able to, in the summertime, I'm vocationally a school teacher. Oh, very cool. So I can keep my days pretty clear in the summer so, well very cool so i guess i don't know i take for granted i guess that people know who steven bonacore and stronghold games are but i guess not everybody knows who you are and and what your story is um i don't know i guess i was doing a little research before this uh-huh. and i own that blue box survive uh and i think of that as being like the first stronghold game and i thought man there's no way because the quality of that game and the production value is really high I figured for sure you guys had some cereal box games or something before that, but it seems like that was about the first game you guys put out. Well, the the, the story goes as such. And uh, uh, I was studying the industry. Uh, I was a gamer. I've always been a gamer since you know, my entire life. You know, since I was a child of you know various kinds, mass market games and things like that. Got into all kinds of other games. You know, during the uh, the eighties. You know. Uh, computer games when the computers started going up there and uh, uh, and then and then computers got more powerful and I was in MMOs for a while. I was in CCGs. I played Magic. I played Vampire the Eternal Struggle. I played so many different games. And then in the 90s, I, you know, kind of fell back to board games because board games are the most social of all gaming. We sit around a table, we either compete or cooperate together, and we have this great time together. So I, I fell back on board games. And I, I'm an IT guy. I worked on in IT on Wall Street for 35 years. And in the mid-2000s, I was studying the market. I was seeing that 
there were a lot of these companies springing up and I didn't see a lot of business sense and business discipline behind some of the things that they were doing. So I thought to myself, I think I could do this and do it a little bit better, uh, be a better businessman about it. So in uh, 2009, the company got started up and the first games we brought out, so well, you're partially correct there. The first game that we released was Code 777. And then we followed that up with Survive, Escape from Atlantis, and Confusion, Espionage, and Deception in the Cold War. So these were three games that were games that had already, already came out. There was some demand for them. So we brought them back in, and we, we brought them back out for the, the current set of gamers. Now, people will will know the game. They may know the designer as well, and they'll be like, who are these guys, Stronghold? Well, I want to... I want the game, so I'll give Stronghold a chance. And But what we did was we raised our brand to the level of those games and those designers by doing so. That was the original business model that we had. We then brought out some games from designers. Designers would come to us, pitch. We brought out Core Worlds, an Andy Parks game. We brought out Space Cadets with Jeff Engelstein. These are games that the designers made these games, and then we raised them up, uh, and we, we, we did them from the ground up was fantastic. And then the model continued where we went out to Europe and Asia and we continued to bring out great games from that were already published, normally already published out there, but now we're bringing them back for the basically English-speaking market either in North America alone or worldwide. So the model has changed over time, but it continues to be um, a great a great working model for us as we as we move forward. And the future is very bright for uh, stronghold games. I was one of those jumped into board gaming during the Catan uh, Dominion kind of era. And um, so I'm just trying to mm-hmm. get every board game I can get my hands on. I'm excited about them. And I hear about this game called Survive uh, Escape from Atlantis. And that was this great old game from, you know, the old, maybe like maybe 70s. Mid uh, early 80s, 82. You just can't find it, and it's if you're lucky, you might find a thrift store copy. But it was this kind of cool gotcha game, and it comes out from this new little company called Stronghold. And I bought one of the first. My copy is the uh, not quite 30th anniversary edition. It's the blue box, and <laughs> the so, blue box. Anyway, I love my go. copy because people see it and they go, "Whoa, I've never seen that before." And so I don't know. I think my copy will be a collector's edition someday. So yeah, so I'm gonna hang on to it. <laughs> You also Very brought good. so many good games from like Europe, uh, like Great Western Trail, and some some initial offerings for us from uh, Vida Lacerda, like Kanban, and just so many great Euro games that I absolutely love. Uh, just yeah, uh, bringing us Vidal, you know? Yeah, yeah. We did with Vital. We did both uh, Kanban and CO two. Um, what we did right now, we have these these strategic partners um, across the world, mostly Europe. Uh, uh, the 2F Spieler, that's Freedom and Freeze's company. Truly one of the most intelligent, one of the most genius designers out there. Certainly one of the great designers in the world. So we do all of the 2F Spieler games. We do quite a few of the Lauta Pellet games. They're a Finnish company. We do Spielworks games very often. Uh, and we're about to launch um, probably right around the time that this podcast drops. Maybe it'll just, we'll just be involved with the, um, with the Kickstarter for D Mocker. Now, do you know D Mocker? Oh, yeah. That's been a girl game of mine for some time. So, so D Mocker 
not only is this 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 game that is revered by people, now most people don't have it. It originally came out in 1986, I believe. Uh, heavy Euro it is like the granddaddy of the Heavy Euro games. Uh, it had a second printing by uh, a company in the mid 2000s when I was you know studying the market as I mentioned, and. Now it's been out of print for the longest time. Uli Blenemann of Spielworks, he found uh, the designer again. They did some, ma- some major redevelopment, and we're going to bring this to Kickstarter in a limited edition. It's actually only going to be available on Kickstarter and then maybe like website sales. It's not going into distribution for at least two years, if at all. Depends on the demand. Very niche game. Uh, and that'll be on Kickstarter. So if anybody out there wants this game, they've got to hit the Kickstarter page between uh, – June 26th and uh, whatever, like 16 days after that, it's going to be something around uh, July 11th or something. And the one greatest cred about this game of all, if you type into your browser, boardgamegeek.com slash boardgame slash one, the number one, that's what comes up. The game was the first game that Scott Alden, the owner of Board Game Geek, the first game he entered into the database when he started Board Game Geek because of the credibility of the amazing cred that this game had and his love for this game, which kind of set a standard in heavy Euro games back in the eighties. Oh, that's fantastic that you're bringing this one back. I'm very excited about this. That's an instant back you. for me. <laughs> you, well, this is one that like the old guys hold over our heads. Hey, I got one of these. You don't got one of these. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now you can have one with better gameplay. I mean, so, I mean, sure. They might have the 1986 version. Maybe that's got a, a grail tag to it, but but the redevelopment on the game keeps the spirit of the game completely, but also makes it playable in a reasonable amount of time. So you can play the game now in like two hours or so, two, two and a half, instead of the four to five hour full version. Now you can still play a full version of it called a seven election game, but you can also play it in a reasonable like, you know, two to two and a half hours by playing a four election game. It's all about German politics, but very, very similar to U.S. politics. You've got to go out there, get the hearts and minds of the electorate on your side, go um, have some, get, get some influence in the media and create and try to become the next uh, ruling party uh, within uh, democratic Germany. So it's a, it's a really, really Great topical theme to politics so being so big in, in current affairs in the world. I know of at least two backers on that one. My co-host and I are definitely going to be interested <laughs> I, in backing that we one. We hope for a few more than that, but okay, we'll start with two. Oh, I imagine you'll get them too, <laughs> if I had to guess. Uh, this has been a long time in the waiting for a lot of people, I think. Uh, this is the Kickstarter. It gives and it takes away. <laughs> so my copy of Egesia isn't quite as it used to be, but now I have a copy of Dimocker. There you so, go. Very yeah. good. Uh, very cool. So... You guys over at Stronghold seem like you're all in on the roll and write movement. Uh, it feels like yep. that at least. Absolutely. And that's kind of cool. Tell me about that. Yeah. So it, it was interesting. So um, before it really, really became hot, the roll and write uh, thing, we came out with two games um, over the last few years. One was La Granja No Siesta. So it was a roll and write version mm. of La Granja. Uh-huh that we did uh, a few years back. And that was a cooperation with Spielworks in Germany, who I just mentioned a moment ago. Uh, and then after that, we did Steamrollers. Um, and this was a game that was like a an 18xx game, like an Age of Steam kind of game that you can distill into a rolling, right? So instead of playing a three-hour game, you could play it in like 45 minutes. So these were very, these were th- more thematic rolling, right, games. Now, with the incredible popularity of 
Uh, the Spiel, the Kenner Spiel de Jar nominated Gan Schon Clever, right? That was nominated uh, for the Kenner Spiel de Jar in 2018. In fact, Wolfgang Warsch, the designer, was nominated three times, three times in the same year. One for the Spiel de Jar, which he won with The Mind and with Gan Schon Clever. Uh, which is now going to be in our catalog. We'll talk about that in a second. And the Quacks of Quellenberg. So he was nominated. The guy is an absolute, came out of nowhere, an absolute genius of game design. We now picked up Ganshun Clever. We've renamed it to That's Pretty Clever. Because, well, American audience, English-speaking audience. And then right, we right. continued with our partnership, our new partnership with Schmidtspieler, the German company who has the license for these games. So we're now going to have That's Pretty Clever in the lineup. Twice as clever, the exact follow-up to That's Pretty Clever. Uh, both of those games out already. We have Bricks just came out. Bricks also by Wolfgang Warsh. That's three games in that are rolling rights by, by the same designer. Everyone very different. Well, the, the Twice as Clever is a di- distinct follow-on, but plays very differently. Then we also did Second Chance by the great designer Uwe Rosenberg. Um, he's known in, for, in our catalog for Cottage Garden, Indian Summer, Spring Meadow. He did Patchwork. He loves working with these, they're called polyominal pieces, like Tetris-like, yeah. but bigger than Tetris, those pieces. Um, so we did this game called Second Chance, which is a flip and write. Two cards get turned over, and then you're drawing those pieces on a piece of paper in front of you, trying to be complete your piece of paper better than everybody else. And then two of them are coming out uh, in August for Gen Con, and that's Dizzle and Encore, which in Germany is called Nachmal, and that is actually the largest selling roll and write of every roll and write in Germany. So that's going to be six games in our roll and write category, all released within the last like six months, which is kind of good, you know, between August and earlier in the year. Um, so all in that same form factor box. Uh, I think that once you buy into the roll and write concept, you know, most of these games are a little lighter, but thinky, like Gonshun Clever, that's pretty clever. And Twice Clever, man, you got to think about how to score the best points, but you can play them very lightly and gently. Like, oh, just, just picking the dice and making your marks on your, on your game board. But once you buy into how interesting and intriguing these games are, you want the next one, you want the next one, you want the next one. So it really helps us build that line and build buzz around another game that's coming out that has a certain similarity. I, you, I'd like to say Roland Rice are the next, um, uh, card drafting, right? That, that was the big thing when Dominion hit. It was like the, that was huge for a while. And certainly it's deck building, I should say, not card drafting, deck building. That was huge, huge, huge. Um, Roland Rights are sort of the next big thing. But of course, if you remember, the original Roland Right was Yahtzee. <laughs> that was a Roland Right as well. So really, you know, some things never change, you know, and then they, this, this genius of, uh, of Wolfgang Warsh, he, he saw that, he saw that that made sense. So he took that and he brought it and he made it his own and is now creating several in that line. And we're going to be working with other designers to do more. We even have one in 2020 that we've just signed. I can't talk about that yet because it literally just got signed. So let's be on the lookout for another very, very different kind that will be huh. coming out with likely in early 2020. That's a good little teaser for us. Uh there you go. <laughs> the thing I like about Roll and Write games, uh, really why they resonate with me, is that this is something that I can play with my dad. You know, my dad's 70. He can grasp most any Roll and Write game or Flip and Write or any of those games. 
But he's, he's not going to beat me because they do require a level of thinking and experience, but he can figure out the mechanics pretty quickly and play them at like family gatherings. So kind of what you said, they're a little lighter, but they do require some thinking and stuff. So I don't know. I could see us having roll and write games laying around, you know, the retirement home in 30 years when we're all, uh, <laughs> we're all as gamers are all getting old and then the retirement home. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we absolutely should be not, pl- not playing the, the, the games with, you know, that don't, don't require any mental exercise whatsoever. I've, I've seen studies that, that, that keep coming out that say the more you do gaming and other, you know, mental exercises, the sharper you'll stay in older age. The brain is like any other, call it a muscle, though it's not exactly that, but it's like any other part of the body. If you don't use it, you lose it. It's gonna not. It's gonna atrophy. It's gonna go away. So keep on gaming. Have fun doing it, and uh, you know, stay mentally healthy for a longer period of time. No, very cool. But you guys also now you had one other thing. Uh, you guys had a pretty big piece of news happen uh, last year, uh, where you guys, uh, a couple of nice size company here, joined up. Uh, you and Indy, which I think had kind of action phase, uh, all under the same umbrella now. Mergers always make me nervous. Because I know Stronghold's been so good, but I don't know. I guess from my own experience, all the communication I've had with with behind the scenes with Stronghold has improved since the merger. So it feels like your products have been more available. It feels like the merger has been a good thing for you guys. So I don't know. Uh, I guess it made sense for you guys, and it's been really good for us as gamers. Yeah, it'd be great to talk about that. So so right in the mid two thousand eighteen. Uh, we announced at Gen Con in front of the Dice Tower live audience that Indie Boards and Cards uh, and Stronghold Games were going to merge. Uh, Indie Boards and Cards, um, president there is Travis Worthington. He had bought Action Phase Games two years before that, so brought those two companies together. And then Travis and I are longtime friends in the industry. Uh, we tease, we've, te- I mean, we literally like almost started the companies at the same time. I didn't know him at that point, but later on, of course, met him in the con circuit and things like that. And we teased each other, like, I'm going to buy you. No, I'm going to buy you, that kind of stuff, you know, over, over the course of time. And then, like, early in 2018, he came and said, you know, maybe we should really, like, get serious about this. If, you know, you know, we've been teasing, like, let's, let's talk. We opened up the books to each other. And um, I like to say it's, um, it's a marriage made in heaven. It really is a, uh, uh, a great combination of two similarly sized companies coming together to become a very strong company. We're probably about the third largest. North American publisher right now, obviously Asmodee in the stratosphere, Simon, Colmini, not Simon is up there second. And then we probably come in third. When you have a merged company, you can do so much more. You can hire specialty people. Like we couldn't, Stronghold Games couldn't have a director of marketing really before that, somebody who's full-time. Now we do. We couldn't have a full-time convention manager doing organizing our conventions, our trade shows. Now we do. Customer service functions can be farmed out. I mean, all these great things that a small company can't do, a bigger company can do and do it more efficiently. And that's what's going on. We'll continue maintaining the catalogs separately and the brands, indie boards and cards, known for smaller games, most many social deduction games, the resistance and coup, um, and strong games known mostly for the bigger euros. Though we are branching into it, There's, those roll and rights are small games, but I saw the opportunity there to bring those in, and they certainly are doing great. Uh, and we can cross market and, and bring people across both sides. You know, use one booth at conventions in most in most cases. Um, it it just is a great. It's a 
it's a marriage made in heaven. It really is. And uh, I could not be happier. Uh, the team is fantastic. We're building most of our team. Like I live in Florida. I talk about that all the time on podcasts. I love how how much I love Florida. Moved from New Jersey, now live in Florida. Uh, Travis is out in California. We're building most of our team out in Indianapolis, whereas our development and production people are so that they can work together and testing games and things like that. But we still have plenty of remote people as well. Um, and again, the future is fantastically bright for uh, the combined company, which by the way, we call Indie Game Studios, but we're going to maintain those brands of Indie Boards and Cards, Action Phase Games, and Stronghold Games. That's that's great news. And actually, honestly, like everything that I've had communication-wise with Stronghold, with you, your assistants, has been so much improved in the last year. Cool. It's just been fantastic. I really do think so. It's very good. And the great news is Indianapolis is just on the road for me, maybe an hour or two down the road. So when I get hired on by Stronghold someday, <laughs> I won't be much of a relocation for me. Well, you know, we ha have been hiring. I'm sure that we're going to be continuing to hire in the future as things change. So, you know, uh, you know, keep in touch. Watch what we post on our website and our newsletter and you'll see if there's uh, any positions that open up. Uh, no, I'm going to be honest. I feel like I'm a pretty good employee, <laughs> but uh, based on the people that you have around you, I don't know if I'd make the cut. <laughs> so uh, you have some really excellent Thank people you. around you. They do respond Thank well. You. They do a great job. Pretty excited about that. No, honestly, I'm really happy that you guys are being a bigger presence, being able to compete with. I'm not going to talk bad about any other companies, but when you guys are able to push the boulder back and compete against the bigger company, that's good news for all of us. Uh, it's going to help us all as gamers, and and really, I think it's a good thing. Fantastic news. Uh, so I guess this is the uh, inevitable question that all of us want to know from an insider like you. It seems like everyone's speculating all the time about when this bubble, as they call it, is going to burst or what's going to happen. So excuse to say, oh, this is the end of board gaming. Like, oh, Will Wheaton left tabletop. Oh, end of board gaming. Uh, <laughs> Gen Con changes how they count tickets. Uh, oh boy, here we go. And it's into board gaming again. Uh, now the most recent one is the tariffs are saying, Oh, tariffs into board gaming. So do you have any predictions or any thoughts about what's going to actually impact us or any thoughts about what's going to happen to the industry? Do you see any problems? Uh, I will talk about my podcast, like probably at the end of the show, but I, I, I do a predictions episode for board games insider, um, each, each year. And, uh, if I was going to predict now, I would have completely changed the predictions that I had at the beginning of the year because things do really change very, very, very fast. So, and it's so hard. Uh, everything's a moving target. The, the industry overall. Now, if we talk about, um, um, hobby gaming overall, and that would, that would include RPGs, that would include CCGs, that would include miniatures. Um, the overall hobby actually, um, decreased in size in total sales over um, uh, between nineteen between twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen, and it was like the first decrease uh, in many years. Uh, but it's it's all of that is anecdotal because nobody really has hard data because nobody publishes all of their data. So so industry watchdogs kind of look. However, having said that, the board gaming segment grew by seven percent and continues to grow and has been continuing. Sometimes double digits, sometimes by twenty percent, sometimes more than that. Um, year after year, 7% is a slightly lower growth year over year, but it is continuing to grow. This is good news. Um, I believe that we'll continue to see growth in the board gaming sector, which is, of course, the that's the part that I care about. That's the part that Indie Game Studios, Stronghold Games, we all have to focus on. 
Um, I believe the most important thing right now and the, the biggest difficulty in the industry is that there are too many games coming out, too much mm. product coming wow. out to the market. Um, when 1,400, yes, that's the number, 1,400 new games Whoa. are done. Now, you're probably going to think I'm going to say within one year. No. On one day, that's the, 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 the spiel in Essen. We, most people just call it Essen, but the convention known as the spiel in Essen, Germany. On that day, 1,400 new games are released. And when you don't even wow. hear about 1,350 of them a day later, and then a week, two weeks later, you're only talking about a, a handful. It's simply too much, and that is unsustainable. And that number has been going up year after year. So what I think is going to happen is that I, while I don't see that number shrinking too far, you know, too quickly, because small companies are just going to continue trying to do things like that, I think bigger companies, this would be Stronghold Games and the Indie Game Studios, are going to focus more on their core games. They're going to really try to release less titles. They're going to market those games more heavily. Um, and by doing so, they're going to be able to, sh to shine above all of that other noise that's out there. Now, Stronghold is still going to do a lot of titles because that's been our our business model because we're going to bring those titles over, but our, but our print runs will go down, you know? So we'll, you know, so with our partners, we might say, Hey guys, I can't do this huge number. I'm only going to do this number. Are you still interested in working? If so, sure. We'll do the game because I know I can sell those games are going to become harder to market, um, harder to bring out lots and lots of titles. So we're going to have to focus, focus on core games, core lines, do less titles, um, and just continue to, push forward. I do think we're going to see some companies that are going to go out of business. Um, small ones, definitely, but even some fairly significantly sized ones that you know of. And I have no inside information on that. I'm just saying that people are going to be starting to make mistakes with, with um, not, you know, not doing these kind of things and focusing and doing less games. So I think that's going to happen. Uh, and I'm not trying to talk gloom and doom, but I think that that's inevitable in a business cycle. Um, we all know about the tariffs, right? Tariffs uh, potential to happen by the end of this month. That is certainly going to be a negative thing. Um, that's going to raise some prices. That's going to raise some prices immediately, in fact. Um, but you know what? That's not a board game thing. When every product essentially is going to get hit with a tariff, middle America is going to get hurt. Everybody who shops at Walmart is going to get hurt. They're going to raise their prices immediately too. They have to. So- um, we're going to see all of this happen. I think that these types of things are going to be, if they happen, they're going to be short-lived. And then we're going to get back to some amount of normalcy. Um, so I'm not, I don't believe that's a gloom and doom scenario. And of course, we can relocate production to other places that cost more to produce. But maybe when you factor in taxes, it's not going to be as much. We already produce a lot of our games out in Europe. Anyway, not subject to any tariffs. So that's, Basically, my predictions for the future, um, <laughs> your prediction would be just as good as mine <laughs> in the end, really, because it's just a really hard thing to, uh, to predict. But uh, I, 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 have a, I still have a very 
good, Rosie. I do not believe that board gaming is going away anytime soon. As we expand that base of board gamers, they come in and they're going to be picking up on some of these games, some of these smaller games easily, and they're going to be going with them and playing them. So we're positioned well, Stronghold will be positioned very well with our with our roll and write games because they're all small and very approachable. So I think We'll see what happens as we move forward, but I'm 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 uh, I'm bullish, as I used to say, as we say on Wall Street. I'm bullish on the hobby game well, market. I think one of the most compelling pieces of evidence I've ever read about this is someone had a blog one time about really what we think of as like maybe the genesis of board gaming is actually just like a revitalization or a resurgence, and there really is only this like 15 year period where people didn't really play board games as much because they were into video games, maybe. Uh, that tabletop kind of took a back seat. If you look at like the 1920s on through the 70s, there was always booming board gaming growth and the industry was going. And that's why Hasbro's Hasbro, you know? So I I think I'm with you. I think, I don't know, the idea that this is a trend that we're only playing tabletop games in the last 15 years is kind of a false premise. And I think, I think you nailed it. Uh, earlier in this interview, you nailed it when you said, hey, I like to be social with people and play across the head table from somebody i i like headsets headsets help us do this interview playing headsets uh video games with headsets is cool but i think that social thing is is better and we're not going anywhere anytime soon because a lot of us have spent a lot of time and money and and equity and sweat equity and money on, sure. on this thing and we're not gonna let it go away we're not letting it go away <laughs> right so absolutely so that's i think i'm with you i'm pretty bullish too on it Excellent. i don't know i guess the internet doesn't like that but i'm with you <laughs> What else? What else, Mr. Bronco? Anything else you'd like to plug? No, I'm good. Let me just, if you don't mind, well, thank you so much for having me on the show. I think that's, I really appreciate you reaching out and doing this with me. Uh, and I'd love to tell people to, if they find Stronghold Games and Indie Boards and Cards at a convention, please stop and say hello to me personally. I attend all the big conventions. I love meeting people. And people often bring me gifts of beer because they know that how much I love beer too. So <laughs> you want to get to my heart, you can bring me about. No, I'm kidding. You don't, don't, you don't have to, of course. But come see me at Dice Tower Con. That's coming up in uh, just uh, just over a week. Um, Dice Tower Con in Orlando, Florida. You get to see me and Tom Vassell jab it out with each other verbally. It's always fun. Uh, I'll see everybody at Gen Con, of course. Uh, Essen, we talked about that. And then PAX Unplugged uh, in December to round out the, the end of the year. And of course, please, if you want to find out more about the industry, listen to Board Games Insider. That's with Ignacy Chevichek, the president of Portal Games, and me, Stephen Bonacor, the president of Stronghold Games. And basically, we talk about the industry, things like we talked about just now. Plus, we take questions from our um, Board Game Geek Guild. We take questions that people post over there. And of course, we talk about what's happening uh, on the insides of the company. Please check us out on Facebook. That's slash Stronghold Games. Twitter and Instagram is at Stronghold Games. And uh, just watch out for us because the com combined company of Indie Boards and Cards and Stronghold Games is uh, it's going to be going places. And uh, I hope fans would just um, keep keep an eye on us, sign up for our newsletter, and find out you know what's happening. I think you'll be very pleased in the end with all that's going on uh, in the new merged company. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate uh, your time. I know you're very busy, especially in the summer in the middle of con season here. I really appreciate your time. No and problem, so Joel. Much. Thank you so much. Stronghold, one of my favorite companies. Take a look at all their stuff. Very good company. Very good interview. Thank you so much. Thanks, buddy. Bye-bye. So, 
uh, Democker. Are you pretty into that, Jason? Oh, dude, I've been trying to get the first edition of that for so long. And now that I know Stronghold's coming out with the second edition, that means discounted first edition, and I am in. I'm so pumped. <laughs> yeah, only only on a limited edition, limited print run, so only on Kickstarter. So, uh I don't know. People people who have that first edition and it's starting to get a little tattered, you better you better sell your copy cheap to Jason to have money for backing that new one. So uh I'll I'll probably just back the new one if I had to guess. Yeah, they had it at Origins. It looks exactly like the old one. So I mean I don't I don't know what they've done to it, but it looked the same. I think they reduced the elections is kind of what I gathered um in the interview. So gotcha. I think this is a big thing. Um so it can be played a little quicker. Um, but I think it's really interesting his insight on the fact that big companies like his that he's talking about, you know, he makes this decision coming straight from him is saying the way how the saturation in this marketplace is happening right now and the way how tariffs are impacting us and just how much we rely on selling out of games, we're going to see much smaller print runs of games that we think we can definitely sell this many of. And, and so we're going to see things like we saw with Wingspan more and more, I think, where it's like, this game's really good. We know it's definitely going to sell this many copies, but then it sells out quick, and then you're going to be waiting a while for another print run. And there may never be huge print runs again. Um, just they can't set on stock like that. I mean, with the tariffs and just with all the stuff that comes out. And then him just talking about the oversaturation of, of board games, 1,400 games coming out last year at Essen. That's kind of mind-blowing. Um, just all that information just... It all just stacks up, and it just is. Uh, I don't know. It's not. He doesn't think it's doom and gloom. I don't think so either. I'm. I'm actually. I said bullish, and I think he said it as well. On on the fact that I think we are going to see board gaming stick around for a long time. It's just going to change. It's not going to be the same as it was, and you're not going to be able to find those. I don't think you're going to be able to find those uh, seven dollar uh, half price books games as much anymore because I don't think those huge print runs that just that that go unsold are going to be happening anymore just because they can't take the risk. So um, pretty interesting him, him calling the shot too. companies you have heard of will go out of business. Ooh, that's like a, that's like from the book of revelation or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He's well, I mean, he's in the know, so he wouldn't say things if you know, he didn't have some insight. That's at least what I gather from the guy. Like he seems pretty open about things and people seem to be open with him. So if he said it, chances are good that he may have heard that somewhere. Yeah, I, I mean, he, he said no inside information, but come on. If you had inside information, that's what, exactly what you'd say, right? <laughs> right, yeah. So, no, I didn't, I didn't know this stock was going to plunge. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 think, I think he probably doesn't have any – he probably has a better idea of which companies are doing well, which ones aren't. But, right, yeah. I mean, yeah. he doesn't want any of them to go out of business either. I mean, he doesn't hope that on anybody, I know. So, I mean, I don't know. Just one of the best interviews I've ever been able to do. What a generous and, and kind person. Um, and honestly, I think every time I've been at a con, I've gone up and shake and I've shaken his hand. Man, that sounded bad. Uh, I've gone up and performed <laughs> a handshake on him. Um, that sounded even <laughs> yeah, worse. Yeah, that sounds worse. Uh, yes. I've, I've, I've gone up to him and said hi. Um, he, he will be a special person to me in the world of board gaming because when I was nobody, I mean, like before even the board game mechanics, it was my son and I doing some YouTube reviews, which you can find if you really want to do some web sleuthing. Um, but we were bad and just, it was early on and, um, he supported us. So, I mean, like that was really cool of him. And then he was one of the first guys when we went to origins last year and did the on the floor interviews say, absolutely come back at this time and I'll give you some time. And he, he gave us a lot of time, really talked, gave a nice interview. Um, did it again. So I, I just really appreciate what he's done for us. And, and honestly, 
if you start looking at some of the Stronghold games that have come out, the Great Designer series, which I didn't really get a chance to talk to him about, um, some of the stuff that he's brought in from Europe, man, we are, you and I are both really happy that he's done what he's done. So um, thanks for being on the show again, uh, Mr. Bonacore, if you are listening to this. And it was great to have you on. And they've been just a great company for us to work with. Uh, just check out everything they've got. And now with Indie Boards and Cards, man, I some of the some of the relationship stuff he talked about there just got me excited too. So, um, yeah, that's about it, Jason. I don't, think, I don't think I've really got anything else to say. Yeah, me neither. I think uh, Mr. Bonacore has said enough. So just listen to him. He knows more about games than we'll ever know. So Yeah. <laughs> and if this is like the one episode you're listening to because it has actually somebody on it, like, cool. I, I get this is why you listen because of, you know, Stronghold saying, hey, listen to this podcast. But if you're brand new to us, man, we love having you here. We love having you as our fans. Check out bgmechanics.com. That's our main website. There's other websites you can get to our, our main website from. Um, maybe you picked up on that a little earlier. Um, <laughs> but but uh, we've also got a really great Facebook group. Um, if you join our subgroup called The Riveted, hashtag The Riveted, and you become pretty active there, you might even get into a secret special super group, uh, which is like some people who like to do some some chit-chatting on the uh, Messenger app. So that's where some really silly stuff can happen. Um, I'd love to see that group get like huge too even. So to the point where I'm really irritated by how often the messages go off. <laughs> my, my, my wife was getting so mad about it in the airport. She was like, this group, man, I've got oh, to mute it. I mute it from time to time because I just get so tired of it. <laughs> that's funny. So I... I think I think it was uh, when you guys were orchestrating your uh, meet up with Mr. Procurement. Oh yeah, so anyway. it could have been. There were a lot of messages that day. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I've been Joel. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming. Keep gaming.